4: and welcome to PM Express. Finally, the James Singh verdict is out. That full judgment of the Supreme Court is out. I remember that the minority in parliament had actually threatened that they were going to uh, object the approval of the new Chief Justice if they didn't get a copy a certified true copy of the judgment uh, by the reopening, the resumption of Parliament. Well, that document is out out now, and today, as we now know, they have read it and they've taken a decision that they will now give their backing to Justice uh, Tokonu, who we are expecting that the Parliament will be considering pretty soon, and there will be an approval because there's now some consensus. But that is to say that the NDC indeed supports the nomination of the new chief justice doesn't mean that they are okay with the text and the reasoning in the judgment. And that's why we're asking the question, having now read it, why is the party, why is the NDC still aggrieved? And today there was a press conference where they laid out uh, their issues when it comes to this particular judgment. And so let's try and interrogate that a bit more here on PM Express. A few things that we know as far as this judgment is concerned is the Supreme Court's own uh, focus on what this constitutional provision means, uh, this Article 94 to 8, which really was at the heart of the controversy in, in the Supreme Court, which emphasizes the allegiance and what will disqualify you cannot be a member of parliament. A person shall not be qualified to be a member of parliament if he owes allegiance to a country other than Ghana. So in this case, Chief Justice um, the Supreme Court held in this matter that he owed allegiance to Canada, right? And so instantly, the Supreme Court says, once that determination is done, you cannot run as a member of Parliament. You cannot run to in in, in the in the parliamentary elections, which really was the basis of the verdict that. They, they have now uh, published for all of us to see. Um, we'll come to some of the specifics pretty shortly, but this is a fundamental issue of contest in the courts. Now, according to the Supreme Court, a few things, and, and this is just to draw the timelines for you. Uh, for many of you, of course, have not followed this from the beginning, uh, started on the way back into the 1st of January when the plaintiff statement of case was laid before the courts, and then you have the judge himself as defendant also put in, in one, and then a first defendant files uh, also. So this has traveled all the way with, filled with controversy. But for me, this is one of the key elements in this judgment that was that was key uh, also, if you read it. It comes down to what the Supreme Court and the first defendant himself had uh, had put forth, that James Atchukwasing uh, commenced the renunciation process. And, and the timelines are important. Renunciation process of his candidate citizenship on in in 2019 although he secured his renunciation this is very important timelines he secured a certificate in november 2020 after he had filed the nomination forms and the supreme court in this judgment is very clear that this disqualification is at the time
1: wendy's is open till midnight or later so you can give in to the craving and go night mode Now all of your favorite menu items just got their bedtime extended. You can get what you want even later, like the Baconator with six strips of bacon. Or the Perfect Fries and Frosty Duo. If you're up later, then so are we. So go ahead and pull through the drive-thru. When the craving hits, go night mode at Wendy's. Open till midnight or later. All right, see ya later. At participating U.S. Wendy's, hours may vary.
4: So at the time that you were filing, you should have had evidence to prove that you owe allegiance to Ghana and no, and no other country. In this case, they found that he wanted allegiance to Canada as well after the time that he was filing. The NDC had argued that the time issue kicks in, the time that you get disqualified kicks in at the time of voting. And they've quoted the PNDC law to back this. But the Supreme Court rejected that proposition indeed. And so this really was the timelines. At the time of filing, you should be in possession of your renunciation certificate. And he wasn't in possession of that, which indeed then became a subject of controversy and uh, a subject that the Supreme Court analyzed and came to that conclusion, as you've seen. A few of the key issues that um, the Supreme Court also had to determine on the qualification issue. that the question was not qualified at the time of filing, which is the point that I'm making. And this is trying to break it down for you, the key elements that the Supreme Court had considered. This issue of qualification and the time is so important. I'm sure when we sit down for a conversation... Um, it will come up again. That equation was not qualified at the time of filing his nomination forms. The NDC disagrees with this. It is one of their uh, key issues of, of disagreement, and the grievance now, even having read it, revolves a bit around this as well. Because the time uh, for you know qualification disqualification kicks in according to the NDC at the time of voting, which is what they want to call the PNDC law. And then also, the subject of the permission to contest the 2020 elections, the EC decision, um, as far as, the, you know, the EC looked at the judge uh, documents, and then it felt that because he's begun the process um, and had renounced it then, although he didn't have the certificate, he could contest, they, the Supreme Court disagrees with that. And that definitely, going into the 2020 elections, raises another issue of reform. Um, the EC, the Electoral Commission now, um, it will be mandated, I believe, um, on the back of this judgment to not only take the word of the Member of Parliament for it, but see in cases where it's evident that the individual who is seeking to be a Member of Parliament uh, may owe allegiance to other country, See the renunciation certificate uh, before you you claim to go and and run in elections. And that, I guess, is one of the fundamental implications of this as well. And then if you look at the as in the 2020 parliamentary elections, the election that you quacing was unconstitutional, therefore his name was completely expunged. That we know already, we've covered that extensively. And the directive was to Parliament to expand his name um, from the list as a result of this. Now, according to the Supreme Court, and, and this is another key thing about the renunciation, okay? uh, the qualification of the holding, only against must be present at the time of nomination. We've talked about that. Then the allegiance question. Allegiance question, what does it mean? The Supreme Court says the two, citizenship and allegiance, they are intertwined. Allegiance means citizenship, and citizenship is a matter of law. And, and I find this really fascinating because it really clears all doubt because and as the, um, the plaintiffs in the matter had said, you cannot intrude into a person's mind to sort of figure out his allegiance. There must be an objective way of assessing that. And that objective way, they argued, has to be citizenship. Okay? And it's very objective. I am a citizen of Ghana. My documents back that. If that is the case, then I owe allegiance to Ghana. If you're a citizen of Canada, then it's an objective way of assessing where your citizens where your allegiance um, lay. And that is exactly what the Supreme Court was dealing with here and clears all doubt. Uh, when it comes to allegiance. So, citizenship is the way to determine a person's allegiance. And that is fascinating indeed. We'll get to hear the lawyer's view on that as well. Now, there have been a, this has triggered significant ramifications. right? The obvious one is what we're now witnessing. The fight in parliament. right? The minority, we know, they suspended its consensus approval of the chief uh, chief justice nominee, pending the full judgment, that is now out. And as we know today, uh, they've come full circle to say, well, we've seen it now, we'll let him go, we'll let her go. And uh, and it hasn't been approved, but we anticipate that Justice Tokunou's, um nomination will be approved by consensus in Parliament. Why? Because the judgment is out and the MPs have read it. And that was a condition, now they've seen it, they disagree with it, but because that was a condition, they will allow it to go. So this we believe will be settled um and and also we know now that there's a by-election as a result of the supreme court uh judgment that by-election is pretty uh interesting and there's a lot more going on there we'll show you what has been happening in in north They as we see the minority caucus they have their own reactions to this they disagree with the ruling of the apis court uh they back the approval of uh, you know the the nominee now uh, after seeing the document and as we know, they are bringing back James Atichquay to contest in elections. Both the MPP and NDC have pitched camps in Sin North right now, and this is a judgment that made that by-election possible, right? And so they are going head to head. It is a brutal context of the survival of the fittest. Whoever um, can convince the people in Eastern North that they are, of course, they hold the, the promise of tending on the constituency, this fortress, etc., may win this also. And as we've seen, the MPP is expected to conduct this primary to elect a candidate in Asin North tomorrow. One person will merge in that, and they will have a candidate, because the NDC, they already have their candidate, James Jatikwesi. And by the way, James Jatikwesi, we understand, is also launching his campaign in the constituency tomorrow. So tomorrow is going to be a big day uh, in Asin North, indeed. But ahead of that, ahead of that, there is a flurry of state developmental projects, Underway in Asin North. Roads are been constructed, as you see there. Roads, covered, the culverts, the gutters, the drains, they are all being done. This is the uh, transport Minister who is himself on the ground overseeing these roads that have been done. And he's been touring the place and, and seeing it uh, for himself. And uh, you see him there with his, with his team inspecting. And yesterday we got a bit more detail on this. The national organizer of the NDC had told MPP had told us that, that Henry here on PM Express that they have a hundred, more than a hundred, uh, projects there. All of them will be commissioned. The president is starting with a commissioning spree next week. Uh, commissioning a 32-kilometer road that had been constructed through that particular part of the shanti region. So there's going to be a flow of activity there, and we're going to be pitching camp there. So We'll bring you everything else. This is. One of the implications of the judgment. And we'll sit down and have a conversation um, and try and, you know, now that we've seen the judgment, we need to ask the question why is the NDC still aggrieved? We'll get into the aggrievance still and help you appreciate the implications of this going forward. Stay with me here on PMX. But after that, my guests will be seated.
3: me. <laughs> 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 so, <I know>. Whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> Wash. All of a sudden, the voice is different. And anyway, when you try a call. <laughs> hey, Bama, bring me the honey whiskey. <laughs> you know the one? Black Rock Whiskey. Honey whiskey. we? honey, black rock whiskey is strong. Now, to taste me a smooth. And it goes <laughs> down easy. <laughs> Excuse me.
1: Bama. Bama. Bring my friend one Black Rock whiskey. Black Rock whiskey, blended with natural honey flavor. Hey, what's up, Bama. Hey, what the
3: If you have been to a man, I know. Oh, Black Rock whiskey. Baby, the feel is smoothness. No, drink responsibly. Not for sale to persons under eighteen years of age and not recommended for pregnant women. This advertisement has been vetted and approved by the FDA.
6: clear and thrilling podcast and live shows. Download and listen to us on Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, Amazon services like Echo, Amazon Music, and Audible. Stitcher, Adom Online, Overcast, and Pandora. Take note of everything. Sign up for the multimedia digital platforms now to stay updated
0: ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad?
1: Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. And an
3: interesting part of the conversation. Oh no, we are out of range.
7: Oh, don't worry daddy, I have Alexa in my back.
3: Alex what?
7: Alexa. Open multimedia Ghana and play Joy FM.
1: Super Hits Radio, radio. Joy ninety nine point seven.
7: Listen to Joy FM, Hits FM, Love FM, live on your Amazon Echo. Listen to your favorite multimedia radio stations live on your Amazon Echo device by saying Alexa, open Multimedia Ghana, play Joy FM or Hits FM or Love FM or catch up on your favorite podcast by saying Alexa, play and then the name of your favorite podcast from Multimedia Ghana. For a list of all podcasts available, say Alexa. Ask Multimedia Ghana to browse programs. On air. We are back like we never lost signal. Alexa, welcome to multimedia.
1: to <ss fille Richardson muffled> be the
8: who
2: is the good? Ghana Jolov or Nigerian Jolov? Ghana
6: Jolov has no core, equal. Smell a lot. Oh my God! Mother oh, shit! You too they lie! Eh? Now they save you when they use Google letters and then they go put a photo. Shut up! You are lying! Get that joy! Are you idiot? Forget
8: everybody!
3: Yeah. Yeah. My guy! Put some respect on the goat oh, the goat the only goat i know lives in tama every year we dey give to you back, back. Ba, 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 ba. we are talking about beauty i want you to agree be the goat huh? my guy him be the goat though our choice of goats may differ in football music and jollof a lumo always brings us together a lumu experience
1: greatness in every moment join <laughs> responsibly not for sale to persons under 18 not recommended to pregnant women this advert is FDA approved with the
6: EcoBank salary account, oh, bro, Ecobank salary account you will enjoy free life insurance oh. free debit card save while you spend and an amazing chance to double your salary and even more consolation rewards in the EcoBank double salary promo reloaded will Guy,
8: this EcoBank salary account sounds interesting what do you think uh, uh, uh,
3: but maybe next time, Charlie, you know what? I'd go shine my shoe. Hey!
7: Yo, self. i I'd go check my BB. <laughs>
1: Open an EcoBank salary account today for a lifetime of benefits. You also stand a chance to win more than double your salary in the EcoBank double salary promo reloaded from now till July 31st. Terms and conditions apply.
2: Progressive presents an ad from mom.
1: When you bundle your home and auto insurance with progressive (laughs) bundle, that's a cute word. What? Read it again? Okay. When you bundle your home and auto insurance with Progressive, you get round-the-clock protection. Oh, that's darn good. Because once my sister Dottie, my older sister Dottie, her basement flooded. Get
2: round-the-clock protection when you bundle and save with Progressive. It's easier than getting your mom to make this radio ad. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations.
1: Wendy's Strawberry Frosty is back for the summer. Because if it's summertime, it's frosty time. Beach time? Frosty. Tea time. Frosty time. Me time. Frosty time. Treat yourself to Wendy's Strawberry Frosty this summer and make time for frosty time. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. Now open till midnight or later. Limited time only. Participating U.S. Wendy's. Hours may vary. This is under the supervision of the National Lottery Authority under the Paritas Lottery platform. The.
6: Yeah. Mama Zimbe Foundation, empowering widows for economic independence. On the 10th of June, Eklafoninina, Yeshia, and we're breaking your ministry international, flagon from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Sat New Crystal Hospital, Ebema Eklafonu, free screening and health talk. Mama Zimbi Foundation, 15 years anniversary year, and your empowerment. Any energy and quah, we are crani bar. Many won't if you say a and yet be a bo, a cryo a yami, and a rash. Yes, of course, near Dano Milk, Rinata and Daughters Porridge Serving, Bell Appa, Fry Talk, 14 Rice, Hunger, Last Avocate Services, Top Choco, Blue Skies, Flower Tissues, EJ Enterprise, in Domain, Awake Fry Water, Test It. Media partners: Adum FM, Asempa FM, Insura FM, Adum TV, and Atega TV.
4: So staying with us in the studio with me is Mahama Ayaraga, MP for Boku Central, and he addressed the press today on behalf of the minority uh, on the back of the written judgment that they now have a copy of. and Thank you very much for joining us here on PM Express. Uh, also joining me right now via Zoom is uh, Kweku Pencil, he is a managing partner at Pencil and Pencil Co. Hello, Mr. Pencil. Thanks for your time here on PM Express. Um, thank you. Good evening. Great to have you join us, Mr. Reagan, You're so, you have now seen the full judgment. What's your initial assessment of it?
3: Well, I mean, um, thank you very much for the opportunity. The minority members of the appointments committee wanted to further assess. The death of the jurisprudence of uh, uh, Her leadership, the Chief Justice nominee, Justice uh, Gertrude Araba. Um, really, for me, the reasoning in in, in that judgment is very disappointing. Uh, very disappointing. In the sense that when you read the judgment, you find out that the court, the court veered off from the real issue before them and focused on another issue that, strictly speaking, is not the province of the Supreme Court. What do you consider to be the real issue before them? The real issue before them is um, whether or not at the time of uh, becoming a member of parliament, that is when your allegiance to the country Needs to be established.
4: At the time of becoming member parliament, at the time of swearing in, at the time of the elections, at the time of filing. So there are three key processes leading to that. Which one are you you referring to?
3: Good. Today, the MP for Asin, sorry, uh, Kumeu, was introduced to Parliament as the person who was elected to represent Kumeu. The first thing that took place was for him to take the official oath, and then to take the oath of allegiance. Oath of allegiance. So it is today that he swore an oath to us to assure us that he owes allegiance to the Republic of Ghana, and implicitly that he does not owe allegiance to any other country. The significance of that event is that it is at a point that you are taking your seat that the question of your allegiance becomes critical. The issue of when you pick nomination forms to when the election is conducted are matters within the province of the Electoral Commission. And if you go to Article 51 of the Constitution, it states clearly, and you can go to Article 51, it states clearly that the electoral commission shall, by a constitutional instrument, make regulations to govern the conduct of elections. And if you go to the representation of the people's law, PNS law, 286, yeah, which they, which that way? also governs the regulation of the conduct of elections, dealing with filing of nominations and etc. And then the various CIs. Those are the CIs that always come, and then we are fighting over whether you should use Ghana Card or not use Ghana Card, and whether you should use your birth certificate or not use your birth certificate. Those are matters that govern the processes leading to your filing of nominations, your registration as a voter. And then the conduct of the elections, how the results are correlated, how it is declared, all those are housekeeping administrative matters. But you before you are get you get elected. But you've introduced
4: another element yes. which the Queen and his team they didn't yeah. argue before the court. Yeah. The argument was that your disqualification mm-hmm. would triggered at the time of election, not at the time of swearing in. So I, I, they, they I, I, disagree it, it, with you yeah, in, yeah, look, in what you are saying right
3: now? Indeed, there are two developments that, in my opinion, uh, that mislead or have, have misled the court. The first development was the case of Zanetto. Yeah. In that case, the issue was whether or not Zanetto who had beaten Ni Ashite, Ashite in the NDC parliamentary primaries, but who Ni Ashite claimed was not a registered voter in that constituency, whether or not by virtue of that development, she wasn't qualified to contest as a parliamentary candidate in Osuklote constituency. And in that case, it was actually NDC, As an interested party, that argued that the point for determining eligibility to contest elections is at the point of filing nominations with the Electoral Commission. The Supreme Court bought into that argument. And referenced it here in making the argument. Okay, they bought into that argument. And then they established a principle that the point for determination of eligibility to contest elections, is at the filing of nominations. Now, in the Quirson case, as you also rightly pointed out, they tried to push it to the election, the actual elections, yeah. hoping that the Supreme Court will buy into that argument. But the court rejected that argument and then took a position of an earlier timeline, which is, The point of filing of nominations my contention is that both timelines are wrong your timeline should be at the point of swearing in indeed because the Supreme Court itself really has no mandate when it comes to questions of filing of nominations and etc because if you read the language of article 94 article 94 doesn't talk about eligibility to contest elections Article 94 talks qualification about qualification of a member of parliament. To become a member of parliament. Qualification to become a member of parliament. At what point do you become a member of parliament?
4: But, but Mr. Yerga, your, your position throws up a possibility of some absurdity here. Let this follow me here. Yes, so, if you say that the, the disqualification can be triggered at the point of swearing in, remember that the sanctity of the vote when the people have already queued, voted for the individual, only to now, at the point of swearing in, now make that determination. Aren't you now entering into a territory now of discounting that, you know, that all important element of our democracy, of people's exercising their right to vote and choose an individual? Are they the entitled to know if the person that they are voting for, before they vote for the person, is indeed qualified in the constitution to even earn their vote. That is an absurdity that your proposition creates.
3: But that the constitution has made provision for. And so the constitution says that the electoral commission shall make regulations governing the conduct of elections. That is why the Electoral Commission makes regulations to determine your qualification and how to prove your qualification to even register as a voter. The Electoral Commission then you know, prescribes what forms you should fill to contest elections, what they want to see, what information they want to gather this, in that form.
4: This is part of the uh, pre-qualifying conditions, even for the Electoral Commission.
3: Exactly. But that is the province of the Electoral Commission. And that is why we say that the Supreme Court had no business in this matter. No, but if the, Supre- the, the Electoral the-
4: Commission is acting against the Constitution, the
3: Supreme Court can't step in. But the Electoral Commission was not acting against the Constitution. But
4: the, but the Supreme Court actually determined here that it did.
3: That it was- and, and we are yeah. saying that the, Electoral, the Supreme Court is wrong because the Supreme Court's province or mandate was under Article 94 four two a to determine whether at the point when Huysin became a member of parliament, whether he was qualified to be a member of parliament, whether at that point he owed allegiance to another country other than Ghana. That was the province of the Supreme Court. Every other thing is the responsibility of the high court and administratively, the Electoral Commission. And the Electoral Commission clearly thought that Quason was qualified to file his nominations. On the date of election, Quason had already renounced his uh, citizenship of Canada. He had
4: not not renounced. On the
3: day of election?
4: Yes. On the day of elections,
3: yes. Yes. On the day of election, he had renounced. On the time of filing, he didn't. Yes, but the the same letter commission looked at the documents and then agreed that he should file. Because, like I said, you see, there are no specific legislative provisions on qualification in the Representation of the Purpose Act. So, if anything at all, there is some vacuum in terms of what the regulations should spell out. But it is the responsibility of the Supreme Court to simply say, look, if you are concerned about eligibility to file nominations, that's a matter that Parliament can provide for in the representation of a people's law. Okay. They haven't made express provision for that. But as a Supreme Court, ours is to interpret the text of the Constitution. And the text of the Constitution, in Article 94 to A, is simply saying that nobody shall be qualified to be a member of Parliament if that person owes allegiance to another country. Stay with
4: me. Let me bring in your... Um your learned friend, Mr. Pince. Mr. Pince, do you agree with uh, Mr. Yariga's view on this part of the judgment? I
8: fundamentally disagree with my my good friend because I don't really agree with him at all, and I will explain why I don't agree with him. But if you permit me, let me let me preface my right answer with some observation that we all need to appreciate. Uh, at least that, that's the I mean. The, the supreme court is the final arbiter not because they are the wisest men in the land but because litigation must always have an end and therefore when the supreme court has made a judgment it is the right of every Ghanaian, anybody to disagree with them on points of law on issues of facts whichever way one thinks of it so what we're doing is indeed a healthy exercise and therefore my learned friend can take his position. But essentially, the real point I want to make is that the position that he has taken is a position that was argued before the Supreme Court and the same was rejected by the Supreme Court as untenable. And let me make my own observations. You know, we've got all kinds of laws in this country. But ultimately, we have the Constitution. The Constitutional provision in Article 94 a which was the article that the Supreme Court had to interpret, was in the light of all subsidiary laws below the Constitution, including the Representation of People's Act. And it is true that the Representation of People's Act does not make specific provisions like my good friend said. But what the Supreme Court did was what we call an interpretation an interpretation of all the laws to make sense, I mean, in one direction. In other words, I mean, Article 94 is very specific. Then nobody can become a, a parliamentarian. And of course, i like you to appreciate that even though that particular provision deals with parliamentarian, there are other disqualifications that people who owe allegiance to other countries are also subject to. But since we are dealing with the I mean, election issue... Nine four two A specifically deals with that. And if you take it against the president's proposed law, now let me put it this way specifically with regard to the Ezanito case. The Ezanito case was an I mean intra party and within a party issue that arose because the party itself had held elections to nominate a candidate for contest to go to parliament. And the losing parties had come to court on the basis of the argument that she did not qualify per the party's uh, rules of engagement. But when the matter went to the Supreme Court, when the matter found itself to the Supreme Court, the issue before the Supreme Court was whether within the larger laws of Ghana, not the NDC constitution, NDC regulations, whatever, who qualifies to become a parliamentarian and at what point in time. And the Supreme Court interpreted the issue at that time to say that vis-à-vis the NDC regulation, vis-à-vis the NDC whatever they have for conduct their own elections, the proper way that anybody could be said not to be eligible to contest for elections is at the point in time that the Electoral Commission has set the ball for contest for people to go to Parliament. So the interpretation that the Supreme Court derived at that point in time had everything to do with whether the ndc their regulations of constitution can override the national constitution in terms of selecting candidates to contest for national elections and we must draw that distinction very very clearly and there cabinet be you know, was doubt whatsoever that that was the purpose that was the intent man, and that was what the supreme court was saying at that point in time in the case of the two question the, the the issue i said is not indeed what my learner friend is putting it which is that at a point of swearing in the law is that you must not even offer yourself for election at all unless at the point of offering yourself and please that is the interpretation the supreme court has put on it you may agree you may disagree unfortunately we belong to different persuasions and much as he disagrees, there was a contention that was also placed before the Supreme Court vis-à-vis all the other subsidiary legislations that we have, and the Supreme Court has ruled that upon a reasonable interpretation that ought to be placed on Article 942A, issues of allegiance arise. Yeah, and if at the point that you are you are you are you are picking the forms, and please, when I was talking about the Electoral Commission, please don't forget that. The Electoral Commission has got a right to supervise, make rules, up, but they are under the Supreme Court. Yeah. Because even in the Jachukwasi the Jechu case, the position of the Electoral Commission under the evidence or the facts before the court was simply that Jechu Question had made a representation to them which they thought was reasonable. But what the, the electoral commission considers reasonable, acceptable cannot be the law in Ghana as long as the Supreme Court takes the view that it contradicts the clear provision of the law. And Don't
4: you raise that, that, that substantive point about allegiance. And I want to shift the conversation there because we've talked about the times and all. But if you read the judgment, it comes down to that point of allegiance. Um, Mr. pace stay with me. Um, Mr. Ereger, it comes down to that point of allegiance. And the constitution provision is very clear which is that you cannot um, hold yourself as a member of parliament when you have allegiance to another country other than ghana
3: let me ask you some very simple questions
4: and let, that is triggered yes from the onset let me actually, when, you, when you
3: try to to file when you let me ask you a very simple question and maybe he will help us answer that question when you pick nomination forms how does allegiance come in when you just pick nomination forms that you want to file for nominations for, for to contest no, I that is
4: that that is the that is the first door to entering into the chamber of running for if you missed in fact that's what the supreme court assessed that the electoral commission should have verified that and they called them out in this particular judgment that's that's so key isn't
3: it the point is everybody has a specific role in the constitution Election petitions are specifically the responsibility of the high court. Okay? The Supreme Court has a responsibility for interpreting... But this was not an election petition. In fact, they addressed this extensively. No, no, listen. The Supreme Court has a responsibility for interpreting the, the Constitution. Constitution. The simple question is, what does Article 94 four two AC
4: A person shall not be qualified to be a member of parliament if he owes allegiance
3: to a country other than Ghana. Good. Qualified to be a member of parliament. All we are saying is that when you go and pick nomination forms, you are not yet a member of parliament. When you go to contest the elections, you are not yet a member of parliament. You become a member of parliament at the point of being sworn in. To be a member of parliament. No, but that, the substantive process
4: that takes you to that point is elections. In fact, the and, election, and and elections so, is the most yes. important part of this chain you talked about. Yes. And but how do you get to the elections? You have to go to the electoral commission, and, and that is and the point and where the yes. electoral commission says you have to make that determination. And we're saying you that, can't disagree with that.
3: And we're saying that the constitution says that it is the electoral commission. That should make regulations governing the whole process. True. And we're saying that the Electoral Commission has not made any specific regulation that says that when you come to file the nominations, you must bring me you know, evidence of your renunciation of cita- uh, citizenship of another country. That's
4: why the, su- that's why the, the, the Constitution is supreme then. But the Constitution has set the ball already.
3: No, the Constitution talks about when you become... A member of Parliament
4: no he says you shall not be qualified to be a member of Parliament
3: yes it, it doesn't say you shall not but be you qualified you shall not. you shall not be qualified to contest to become a member of Parliament no, but you cannot be a member of Parliament unless you stand and be voted for I mean
4: it follows that's it all
3: we're talking about constitutional interpretation we're talking about the rule of the Supreme Court it is the rule of the Supreme Court to sit and wait if the Electoral Commission at the end of the day declares somebody as having been elected and presents that person to Parliament, and then it turns out that that person, at the time that he is taking the oath of allegiance in Parliament, owes allegiance to another country other than Ghana, at that point, Article 2 a is triggered. 94.2a is triggered. You wait, see, wait, what, the Supreme wait, wait, court, wait. what the Supreme Court is doing is to assume that there is some vacuum, and then it is interpreting the Constitution to fill in that vacuum. And I'm, we are saying that that's not your job. Your job is to sit and wait. If the processes does not produce a candidate that does not owe allegiance to another country, then... But your but your, this your process, responsibility this process to disqualify the person a memo of parliament yes.
4: who owed an, who owed allegiance on that country. No, but this process. This no, process,
3: the process. Was, didn't. Well, that they have... At, uh, at the point of at the point of they detect, they, at the point of the process, conducting. Process, no, at the point of the process. At the point of Listen, the process to pro, enter but, the listen, door. the process produced. The process produced an individual who, at the point of filing. They're to contest, aware. owed allegiance to another country. Yeah. But at the point of the contest itself, did not owe allegiance to another country. At the point of becoming a member of parliament, in the language of Article 94, 2A, did not owe allegiance to another country. The Supreme Court jumped and went to the point of filing. We're saying that that is not your job. Okay. That's the a, job a of address, the Electoral Commission. Address, address for me. And the Electoral Commission doesn't have an issue with that. Address and for it me. hasn't made a law on that. No,
4: but I, I, I get it. I'll come to it, <laughs> but, but quickly, address for me the point I make to you about the sanctity of the vote. So no. and, and the absurdity this creates, right? So if you don't deal with it at the filing, you actually will put up a candidate who will be deceiving the people. And the constitution makes that the, the most important factor in this whole thing called democracy.
3: No, and there the, are Let me respond to that. Let me respond to that why? Let me respond to that. Let me respond to that. Somebody could actually owe allegiance only to Ghana, contest elections, be voted, be sworn in as a member of parliament. After that, go and assume the citizenship of another country in addition.
4: But that, that will be dealt with separately.
3: No, it will, be dealt, with, it will be dealt with under Article 94.2a, the same clause.
4: Yeah, well, to disqualify him. Exactly. If you, if you do that.
3: Exactly. So the issue is not when you file nominations. The issue is when you are a member of parliament and at the same time you owe allegiance to another country, Article 94.2
4: kicks you out. Let, let me quickly ask you on that, that before I come on, on allegiance question.
3: So, so, do, so, Do you
4: so, agree? I know we've spent a lot of time on this first part. But no, that's we, the
3: most important issue. So, no, so let me, You,
4: you <laughs> disagree with the Supreme Court, and uh, Mr. Quisín, uh, um disagrees with you as well. Um, uh, Mr. Pintel disagrees with you as well. Let's address a second quick point. Do you agree with them on the interpretation of the allegiance being intertwined with citizenship? You don't disagree with that?
3: I don't have an issue with that because, you know, that really will be a question of the laws of that country. Because usually, every country that is granting you citizenship will usually require that you also take the oath of allegiance to that country. Mm. So often, allegiance is intertwined with citizenship. You assume citizenship, you owe allegiance to the country whose citizenship you assume. So it's not a complicated issue. And Quasi is not saying that, you know, he, but, but by the they, point of they, they, a member they, of parliament.
4: argued differently on the subject of allegiance and citizenship.
3: And that's why it's not everything, every argument they made in the court that I agree with. Okay. I, I'm, not, I'm not just following the NDC blindly. I'm saying that my understanding of the 1992 constitution is that the Supreme Court is to interpret. And what was it interpreting? It was interpreting 942 2 a What did 94-2-A say? 942A said, a person shall not, be, shall not be qualified to be a member of parliament, and I'm saying that in this instance, what I heard the Supreme Court doing or heard saying is that a person shall not be qualified to file nominations to contest elections if the person owes i I'm saying that's not what 942A is about.
4: say that this this is precedent to this, right? And the Supreme Court actually, in in in, in this judgment, referred to. The uh, Sumala Bill's case, yes, at uh, at the Musa Kande, yes, right, and he said this particular case is on all fours. With that particular case, first of all, you, dis-
3: you agree with that. No, they, Do you know? they don't. They probably don't know the facts. The Sumala Bill case was a situation where Adamu Rahmani had contested, was sworn in, and then it became evident even whilst a member of parliament, he was also a citizen of the United Kingdom. He was a citizen of the United Kingdom. He hadn't renounced his citizenship. He claimed to have renounced his citizenship. But then the Attorney General's office wrote to the British government to find out whether he had actually renounced his citizenship because he presented a document purporting to be a renunciation certificate. And the British government wrote back to the Attorney General's office and reported that that was a forgery and that it did not emanate from home office. So it was a situation where he had forged documents. So the action was not under Article 94. It was a criminal prosecution for forgery and other related offenses. And that was what led to his conviction. So it wasn't an action and article 94 two.
4: So, but but if you track back, at the time of filing, he was a citizen of another country who he held dual citizenship.
3: But that was not the file. issue in that case. I, I, I get what you're yes.
4: saying. There, there were other things that yes. are different, yes. makes the case yes. something different yes. from yes. this one. Yes. But the similarity in the, to, to this particular case is that at the time of filing, he was a citizen of another country. At the time of elections, you've, you said the, the three timelines. At the time of filing, he was a citizen of another country. At the time of elections, he was a citizen of another country. At the time of swearing, he was a citizen of another country. Exactly. Post that, he was a citizen of another country. Exactly. He take those timelines at least... So he never renounced. He never renounced. But at least, at the first yeah. instance, the first timeline, is on
3: all fours with James Atchukwesi. For me, I think that that case was a criminal prosecution. It really wasn't in my opinion, a matter... Aye, but that
4: you know that been, there's a criminal case against him.
3: We haven't dealt with yeah, that true, yet. True, but I'm just pointing out as a fact. That's right? not, that's that's not what I'm dealing also with Also, on perjury. That's not what I'm dealing with today. And that's why I said that there are other ways of dealing with such matters. Okay? But the Supreme Court's approach is overshooting the abundance. Stay with me. <laughs> Ma- Ma- Mr. Pencil... On
4: the subject of allegiance, do you agree with the Supreme Court? Sorry, please unmute for me. Yeah, so that's the first
8: time that I've heard anybody of that political persuasion agree with the Supreme Court on the issue of allegiance. Because personally, I was getting a little frightened when people make arguments seeking to distinguish citizenship from allegiance. The argument being that you could divorce yourself from those two things or state of mind that you could have, say, of a country without necessarily owing an allegiance. And I, I always pointed out, indeed, on a lawyer's platform last week, I posted, I solicited. I could understand a woman who can sleep with 100 men, who is a prostitute, and owes no allegiance to any one of them. But not for my wife. I cannot live with my wife, and my wife tells me, in spite of everything, she doesn't owe allegiance to me. So what we're doing is, if that argument they no longer holds, at least from, I mean, at least I've got one person who agrees with me, then we have some sanctity, we have some sanity, we have something that has been injected. Because it is very frightening to think that, because I pose the question, that, so for instance, the argument that we're making, are we limiting it, for instance, to parliamentarians? Does it mean, for instance, that in a future state in Ghana, we could have a defense minister who says that he doesn't owe allegiance to Ghana, but he holds our citizenship? Could we have a president who says that he doesn't owe allegiance to us, but he has our citizenship? But I'm very, very rested and assured that at least I've got one person who agrees with me that that distinction that is being drawn is so artificial that an extension of the logic buried in that argument will lead to absurdity of absurdities. And I'm thankful that at least we're now having some common understanding. It's my personal view, and I've heard that view. This is not a question of interpretation of law or interpretation of anything. I've always heard the view that citizenship goes with allegiance. And therefore, if we are one man with two passports, you are double-minded. In other words, you have allegiance to both countries and such people must be limited to the extent of what kind of positions that they can hold in this country we call Ghana. I don't really know too much about what other citizens in other countries who hold royal citizenship are able to do and unable to do, but this is Ghana. The Republic we call Ghana, what we hold dear to ourselves. We are entitled to make laws for ourselves regarding those who can certain sensitive positions in this country if they wish to remain citizens of other countries i've heard arguments about their contribution the contribution of diaspora Fine enough we are thankful to god that they're able to do all those wonderful things but please it's a choice nobody in i mean what you impose imposes a duty or a burden obligation or whatever on anybody To go and take another country's citizenship. People call it a rule of convenience. So be it. But in everything in this life, there are consequences for every decision. As you make your bed, so shall you lie on it. That's the principle. Mm. And therefore, it's my view that even the laws that we have are not restrictive enough. I don't mean to degrade, I don't mean to whatever, demean, I don't mean to, I mean, cast them down. But please, the choices that they have made, they must stand by those choices and leave us those who decide that if there's trouble, we are bound to stay in this country no matter what. They may not allow us even to go mm. to Togo, and we will hold. And the next flight that they come, you see the evacuation in Sudan? They come to evacuate their citizens. Yeah, I mean, I, I, At
4: but, least one, one good thing from this case is that this clarity, again, this Mkotukam continue to reaffirm the point about the... Uh, how intertwined those two concepts are. You can't separate them. And so we have clarity on that. Stay with me, Mr. Painter. So let me ask you that... Now, let
8: me make one, boy, one yes, more please. point. Yes, With please. regard to what my good friend has said earlier on. Mm-hmm. You know, sort of everything that the Supreme Court said, I mean, having regard to the kind of doorways that my learned friend is trying to give to the trade doorways or whatever. Yeah. I said for policy, public policy considerations alone, If we hold on to what my learned friend is proposing, let me tell you the preposterousness of that argument. Has anybody sat down to ask himself the cost to Ghana of holding a second election, the millions of cities or whatever? So why must the Supreme Court sit down? Why must everybody sit down and think that we must go through those points and at a particular point that we must begin to sit up as a country and all of a sudden we discover that this person has slipped through the door? So, I believe honestly that the decision of the Supreme Court, in addition to everything else that they have said, is for public policy considerations the best thing that we can adopt for ourselves as a country. That will not be too late by the time that we we'll find out, like what we're doing now. Somebody must be paying for that bill. It's too expensive for us to sit as a country and allow matters to drag to the point where it's beyond recovery. Mm. So that's the that,
4: other that reason I have. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I is there a
3: case for a judicial review of this judgment? You see, his last point betrays everything that has happened. Okay, what's the point there? It betrays everything that has happened. That people think that, oh, but yes, there is some gap there. Uh, we should have clear regulations that spell out that at the point of filing of nominations, you must prove that you owe no allegiance and that you are a registered voter and that you, know, you hail from the place and etc. so that going forward, we don't have a situation where we vote for you and then we find out that you owe allegiance to another country and then we'll have to uh, go hold another election again and then it costs the state money. Physically, that is a concern. So you're saying that that should so be a consideration I, 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 for the Supreme Court? I, I said that is not the Supreme Court's business. okay The Supreme Court should tell us that there is a lacuna in the law, but it is the province of Parliament and the Electoral Commission to make regulations under Article 51 to deal with those situations. The job of the Supreme Court under 94.2a, and I still maintain is to be at the door of parliament and if you are either being sworn in or you are already sworn in and you are a sitting member of parliament and it is discovered that you owe allegiance to another country other than Ghana then you are disqualified let, let, and don't forget that there's a the punitive point? there's a penalty also to that because if it is established that you owe allegiance and yet you swore an oath of allegiance saying that you, your allegiance is only to Ghana, that's perjury. Yeah, of course. And you can go to jail yeah, for it. We know that so it's not, it's not it's as if there is no mechanism for dealing with situations but like finally, that to tell people.
4: Finally, is, is there
3: a case, I haven't read it now, or a review of this matter? If you ask me, I think there is a case. But I'm not a party in the litigation. So the person is busy uh, participating in the contest to... I asked be that because re-elected.
4: the party, the legal team, they've applied for an extension of time while they consider the options
3: whether or not to file for a review. As I'm saying that, if you ask me, given the position that I've taken here, I believe that the Supreme Court wrongly decided the matter. And if a party in the matter wants to go for review, I think that there's a very strong case for doing so. Uh, the qualification for uh, review, I think it's also known. Uh, the fact that you strongly disagree with the case doesn't necessarily mean that you know, uh, the court yeah. will grant you an application for, for, for review. There are uh, clear-cut requirements for mm. the court to grant an application for review. But I think that the case is wrongly decided. I think that if the court in future has an opportunity, they should review this decision. I think that the policy considerations are indeed compelling and uh, like my colleague has said it will cost us a lot of money if you know uh, we take somebody through an entire electoral process and then swear the person in as a member of Parliament only to discover that a person owes allegiance to another country and then contestants will be taking steps to disqualify that person and call for a bias. Obvious But that it. is a matter that the Electoral Commission Mm. should learn from, and then Act page 1 to Article 51. And bring regulations to Parliament. Well, and then we will pass it as, the government as, as I like
4: indicated. That. The NDC they've filed, they've applied for an extension of time. Um, Not the, the NDC. It's
3: the a question.
4: Well, I mean, I spoke to your <laughs> the, 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 the Director of Elections. Said this. So <laughs> that's the uh, NDC's Director of Elections. But thank you very much. I, I know you're, you'll be heading to us, uh, Asen North. Inshallah. Yourself? Inshallah, okay. we'll all be there. Um, that's another consequence of this judgment, and uh, we'll see the outcome of that election, Mr. Quayco Pencil, Thank you very much. Uh, he's the managing partner at Painting and, Painting and Co. Muhammad Yago, of course, you know him, Member of Parliament for Boko Central. Enjoy the rest of the evening.